Open your Bibles tonight to 2 Timothy chapter number 4. We've been studying on these Wednesday nights about different crowns that we hope to receive when we get to heaven. And I say hope to receive because maybe we will and maybe we won't. It just depends on how we have lived our lives. And tonight when you go out, we have these bookmarks that uh, Cindy Johnson has typed up and prepared for us. And they're going to be somewhere in the commons area. Is that right, Cindy? Is that, is that, where are they? In the bulletin holders. Okay, maybe you picked up one when you came in. But on this, uh, on this bookmark, it says the crowns we hope to receive in heaven. And for the last several Wednesday nights, we've been studying these different crowns and where they are in the Bible and how, what we have to do to, to get those crowns one day. And tonight, we come to the fifth and final crown that is mentioned in the Bible, and that is called the crown of righteousness. And we read about this crown in 2 Timothy chapter number 4. And so let's just read this passage of Scripture and see what we can learn from it. Now, 2 Timothy is actually the last letter that Paul ever wrote. He died not too awfully long after writing this epistle. This was his, his last one. And when we come to chapter 4, this is the last chapter of the last letter that he ever wrote. And so he is coming to the very end. And beginning in verse number 6, he tells a little bit about what he is experiencing and what's going on in his mind. And then he talks about this final crown. And so let's look at it, beginning in verse 6. Paul said, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And so the crown of righteousness is a crown that we will receive in heaven if we have lived our lives eagerly anticipating the return of Jesus Christ. Now, some of these other crowns, it's based on what we do. If we live a disciplined life, we get the imperishable crown. If we have been a soul winner, we'll get a soul winner's crown. If we have been faithful shepherds of those under our spiritual care, we talked about that last week, we will receive the crown of glory. And tonight, we talk about another crown. It's not based primarily on what we do. It's based on what's in our heart. Are we eagerly anticipating the return of Jesus Christ? And if we are, then we will receive this crown. Now, let me say two things tonight about the return of Christ. And we've talked about this time and again through the years. But the first thing I would say about the return of Christ is that it could happen at any moment. Jesus Christ could, at any moment, come back for those of us who were saved and take us to heaven immediately. But the second thing I would say is, whether it happens at any, you know, whether it happens tonight or tomorrow or in 20 years from now, we don't know that, but it will happen in a moment. In other words, whenever the return of Christ takes place, it will take place quickly, just like that. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it's described, Paul is describing the, second, the, the rapture of the church, and he says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that Christ will come for us. So whenever it happens, it will be quick, and it will be sudden. And so as I've been thinking about this particular crown, the crown of righteousness that God has laid aside, that God one day will give to those who have eagerly anticipated the return of His Son, Jesus Christ, first thing we have to do is ask ourselves this question. Are we, do we ever even think about the return of Christ? 
I think one major difference between first century Christians and those of us living today is that back then, those Christians lived with a real anticipation and a belief, a conviction that Jesus Christ could return at any moment. They had that. I mean, Paul expected Jesus Christ to come back in his lifetime. And I think many of the early church fathers and the the early Christians, they lived with that. And they thought it may be today, it could be today that Jesus Christ is coming back. We've read before about the Puritans in the history of Christianity and named because of their pursuit of purity. And one of the things that they had going for them was they believed that Jesus could come back at any moment. And when those old Puritans would wake up in the morning, they would, they would wake up, they would get out of bed, they would walk over to the windows, they would pull back the curtains and the drapes, and they would look outside, and they would say these words, maybe today, Lord, maybe today. They'd go out and work in the fields, do their responsibilities, but all day long, they were thinking Jesus could come back today. When they came home that evening, they would have dinner, they would get ready for bed, go back to that same window, look up at that same sky, and they would say, maybe tonight, Lord, maybe tonight. Now, I don't know about you, but I have to confess, I don't live that way every day. I'm not saying I never think about the return of Christ, because I do, but I don't think I could honestly say that when I wake up in the morning, one of the first things to come into my mind is, this may be the day that Jesus is coming back. I can't say that. And when I go to bed at night, I can't honestly say that I end the day thinking, God, maybe while I'm sleeping, you're coming back. And I say that as somebody who spends a fair amount, of, a good amount of time in the morning and a good amount of time at night talking to God, first thing I do and the last thing I do. And yet, even in my prayers, I'm not primarily focusing on the fact that Jesus could come at any moment. I'm focusing on, God, I love you. God, I thank you for the blessings of the day. And we should have all that. But I I need to think more of the fact that Jesus Christ could return at any moment. He could come right now before this service is over with, and it'd be a wonderful thing if he did. So what I want to do tonight is I want to mention to you five things that an eager and Anticipation of the return of Jesus Christ could do for you. Five ways that if you said, you know what, he hasn't come yet. And I think one of the reasons that we don't live with that eager anticipation like the first century did, like the disciples and even Paul and the others, is because the ascension, Jesus had gone back to heaven in their lifetime, and they just thought, well, he came up, he's going to come right back. Now, here we are 2,000 years later, and he still hasn't come back, and so I think it's just easy to say, well, you know, we know he's coming, we believe that, but as far as how that might change my daily life, it just really doesn't, doesn't really make any difference in how I live my life. And so what I want to give you are five things that an eager, having an eager anticipation of the return of Christ could do for you. Number one thing is, it keeps life in perspective. Now think about this. There's not a problem you have that the return of Jesus Christ wouldn't solve. I mean, there's not a problem I have. I mean, none of us have a problem that couldn't be immediately solved if, if, the, if the trumpet would sound and there was a shout from heaven and Jesus ca- called for us and the rapture of the church took place and there we are right up there in heaven with him. I mean, there's not a problem we have. So it kind of keeps life in perspective. So that says to me, when we're going through things in life, one of the things that will help us is to remember Jesus may come back right in the midst of what I'm going through. It just has a way of keeping life in perspective. Whereas if you don't have that, if you just think, well, he hasn't come for so long, it will probably be a long time, probably won't even happen in my lifetime. Well, more than likely, if you live like that, you're going to get so attached to this earth 
Because you're going to just think, well, I'm going to be here till I'm 110. Let me say something else. Dad, Dad mentioned Jack Smith, a godly member of this church and a treasured friend of mine uh, who had called me not many days ago. He was driving through Wisconsin, and he called to talk to me about something. We had the best conversation. And as he mentioned, was here on Sunday running the cameras. And when we got that word yesterday, Jack Smith was killed in Arkansas in this accident. My heart absolutely sank. And I thought, God, I can't believe this. Here's a man three days ago you know, on that one of these, I guess he was on the main camera back there in the back so that, it, you know, the sermons could be up on the screen. And one of his, his, the last sermon that he ever heard in this church it wasn't a good sermon. I didn't particularly think my sermon Sunday was good. Don't say amen to that if you agree with it. But I didn't particularly think it was good. In fact, yesterday, when we were editing that sermon for the radio, after about two minutes, I said, nope, not going to do it. I said, I didn't like it when I preached it. And I don't like it listening to it now. There's something about that sermon. I didn't like how I put it together for whatever reason. Having said that, even though I didn't necessarily like the sermon that I preached on Sunday, I'll tell you what I did like about that sermon. It was loaded down with truth. Because what I was saying on Sunday, and if I had that sermon to preach over again, I'd figure out a way to preach it better. But what I was saying on Sunday was, we are living in an uncertain world, and time is fleeting, and life is uncertain. And I said this Sunday, I quoted James, life is like a vapor. We're here today, and we're gone tomorrow. Life is like a passing shadow. Now you see it, now you don't. And Jack is back there filming that, and within four, within probably a little over 48 hours of having filmed that sermon, he experienced exactly what I was trying to say on Sunday. We have not been promised that God's going to give us 110 years on this earth. We haven't. In fact, the Bible says, as a general rule, count on 70 years. If you're really strong, you might get 80. Study life expectancies today. Somewhere in the upper end of that range, 79 for a lady, 77, 78 for a man. Some people go well beyond that. Some people don't get close. You average it out, and that's where it is. But when I got that word yesterday that Jack, here, Sunday, filming the sermon for the screens, and the last sermon he heard was a sermon entitled, The Gift of Time. Time is passing. We're not going to be here forever. And when I, when I saw that yesterday, I thought, God... Even though I didn't feel like I preached that sermon well, that was a sermon you put in my heart, and that was a sermon that you want all of us to be reminded of. And so what I'm saying tonight is when we think about the return of Jesus Christ, if we can have that perspective, Jesus is coming back. You see, when I stood up here and preached that sermon on Sunday and said, life is a vapor, we're here today and gone tomorrow, not a soul, probably not a single person thought that that would be the last sermon they ever heard. Nobody thought that because that's not how we live. We think, well, you know, uh, when we get older, we'll think more about it. But even when people get older, they don't think like that. They just somehow think it's gonna, gonna, life is going to last forever. And we do the same thing with the return of Jesus Christ. We have the same attitude toward the return of Christ we have towards death. We just think, well, we know it's going to happen out there somewhere, but it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. And you know what? It may be that God gave me this sermon tonight to preach in a big room to not many people because it's spring break and, and, and people are traveling, and here we are back in this room tonight. But I'll say this. It may be tonight that the same God who told me to stand up here on Sunday and preach about the uncertainty of life is telling me to stand up here and preach tonight about the return of Christ because maybe it's going to happen before we know it. Now you put those two sermons together. Life is fragile. Here we come four to three days later. And what are we saying? Jesus could come at any moment. And I'm telling you, whether he comes at any moment or doesn't, if you believe that, 
that he could come at any moment. It will change how you view life, and it will keep situations, circumstances, and problems in perspective. That's the first thing it'll do. Second thing it'll do, if you believe, you really believe Jesus could come back tonight. I mean, before I go to bed tonight, Jesus could come back. I'll tell you what it'll do. It's a wonderful incentive not to sin. It's a tremendous incentive to live right. Why, if you thought Jesus was coming back tonight, you wouldn't want to be doing anything that he wouldn't be pleased with if he saw you you know if you you don't want Jesus to come back catching you in sin or catching you doing something you ought not to do or living in some way you ought not to live no I, I that doesn't mean that we have to be reading our Bible 24 hours a day or praying all the time but it does mean that whatever we're doing when Jesus comes back we want him to be pleased and we don't want to have to be embarrassed and that's why it says in first John chapter 3 that we may not be ashamed at his coming and so an eager anticipation of the Lord's return keeps us living right keep it straight puts us on the on the uh on the straight and narrow puts a little fear in us because we think hey I don't want Jesus to come back and find me doing something I ought not to be doing I want to be I want to be living right and then a third thing it does if you believe you really believe that Jesus Christ could come back at any moment it is a tremendous motivation to share your faith in Christ with others I mean if God gave us an insight and God said that he's not going to do this but if God said to you hey I'm not going to tell anybody else but I'm coming back in 48 hours I'll guarantee you if you if you knew that there would be family members friends neighbors co-workers somebody who doesn't know the Lord that you would make an extra effort to share Christ with because you would know they only have 48 hours left and I would do the same thing now none of us no not a one of us knows when Jesus is coming back sometime you'll hear somebody make a prediction there's been quite a lot of this in the fairly recent past now I haven't heard it in the much last two or three years but before that you would hear this person is predicting Jesus is coming back on June the 28th and this person's followers are all you know uh, changing their lives and, and saying Jesus come back on June 28th and of course June 28th comes and goes and Jesus didn't come back and because Jesus said nobody knows you know what if I were God and I was looking down from heaven and somebody picked the date when Jesus was coming back and if they just happened to guess right if I were God I would change the date just so they couldn't get it right just because you know God has said nobody knows when Jesus was on the earth he didn't even know now he knows now I guarantee you when he got back to heaven that you know he received he returned to where he knew absolutely everything whereas when he was on the earth he knew everything but there were certain times he had divested himself of some of his glory and so but nonetheless if you knew that Jesus was coming back uh, soon and if I did it'd be a tremendous motivation to share Christ with somebody else let me tell you something else a fourth thing it would do if you knew if you believed, now you'd already know it we all know it but if you really believed Jesus Christ could come back before midnight I'll tell you what it would be it would be a tremendous comfort to you in your suffering I think about people who are in intense pain and great suffering and some who are going through intense grief over the death of a, of, a, of a loved one and their hearts are just broken but if somehow that person could remember you know what before midnight Jesus could come back sometimes maybe if you lose somebody uh, that's close to you and you think I just don't see how I'm going to be able to live the next 20 years without this person in my life well let's look at that differently if you believe that Jesus could come back at midnight 
You don't have to live the next 20 years of your life. You just have to live till midnight. And if you knew that Jesus were coming back at midnight, if you looked at it that way, that would make your grief more bearable because you would think, you know what, God? I'm only going to have to be like this till midnight because at midnight you're coming back and at midnight I'm going to be reunited with my loved one and at midnight I won't be sad anymore. Or if you're in pain, God, this pain is debilitating, but God, at midnight it's going to end. See, if we live like that, you say, what if he doesn't happen? What if he doesn't come at midnight? Well, it doesn't make any difference. He could come then. And it's, it's not whether he does come at midnight or not. It's whether we believe he could. And if we believe that he could, it would change our perspective. And we would just say, you know what? Jesus could come at midnight. I don't have to think about 20 more years of uh, pain like this or 20 I don't have to look at it that way Jesus could come back at any moment and it would be a tremendous comfort now let's look back at this passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4 because I think one of the reasons Paul was talking about the return of Christ is because he himself was in much pain and much suffering Paul wrote 2 Timothy from a prison cell in Rome chained to Roman guards in a, in a dark, damp, musty prison. And he says in verse 7, or if it says in verse 6, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. What's he talking about? He's talking about his own death. And he knew that he was about to be beheaded, and he was beheaded there in Rome. And then he says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Okay, so he's talking now about his death, and he's just about to be martyred for his faith. But he says, finally, there's laid up for me, now he's talking about in heaven, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So right after Paul talks about he's fixing to be killed for his faith, he shifts his focus. And he says, but you know what? I've got a crown waiting for me in heaven. Because I have eagerly awaited the return of Christ ever since I got saved, ever since I got to know Jesus. I've been looking forward to him coming back. And you know what? It may be that on the way to my execution, Jesus comes back. I don't even have to go through that. But whether he does or not, he said one way or the other, I'm going to be with him soon. And so it is a tremendous comfort. And I would say to some tonight, uh, hey, we all go through situations and circumstances. And certainly people here tonight who are going through suffering and, and grief and sadness, and loneliness, and physical pain, and maybe emotional pain, and my heart goes out to you, because I've been through all those things, but I want to say to you tonight, Jesus Christ could return before midnight, and your problems will be over with, and one of the reasons that the Bible tells us about the return of Christ is so that we would think like, we would think like that, and we would remember, hey, this thing could end just like that and it helps us in our suffering and it helps us in our pain and so we're not looking to the next 25 years God how am I going to make it 25 no we're looking for the next five minutes we're looking till eight o'clock tonight we're looking till nine o'clock tonight every hour we should be thinking it could be now Jesus could come we could be in heaven and it would all be over with and what that would do it would change our whole perspective of suffering and help us so greatly in life and I'll tell you something else last thing I mentioned tonight about the imminence of Christ's return and if we really believe that it could happen at any moment now this one only applies to those who have not been saved the first four apply to those of us who have been saved. But if you're here tonight and you've never been saved and you believe the Bible 
it's not so much a matter if you believe what I'm saying, because all I'm saying is what's in the Bible. So if you believe the Bible and you're not saved, what I'm saying tonight should be a wake-up call to you, that Jesus Christ could come at any moment. And we think about the, re the, the, the returning of Christ or the coming of Christ. You know, there's a couple of ways that, could, that, that will happen to us. Let me say it this way. Christ will return in your lifetime. I promise you that. He will return in my lifetime. I'll guarantee that. He may not return in the rapture of the church, but he will return. What did Jesus say in John chapter 14? Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Listen to the next verse 3. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, you say, well, that, that must be talking about the rapture of the church. He's going to come and receive us to himself. The rapture of the church applies to that, but so does, so does your own death. Uh, he said, I will come again and receive you to myself. What is Jesus going to do at the moment of death? He's going to come to where we are, take our souls out of our body, take us to be with him in heaven. He will come, take us out of our bodies and take us to heaven to be with God. And so the return of Christ could come to us at the rapture or it could come to us at the moment of our death. For Jack, yes, or Monday, or I think it was actually yesterday when the accident happened, the Lord came for him on an, on an Arkansas highway. That was, God came for him. Jesus came for him and took him from where he was to his home in heaven because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And so I would say to you tonight, I know this is a most unusual Wednesday night. Looks different, feels different, everything about it's different. But you know what? There's one thing the same hasn't changed, and that is the Word of God. And just like the Word of God says, there's a time to be born and there's a time to die. And just like we have seen that promise fulfilled since we were here last time that same bible says that jesus christ will come again in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and it may be tonight that god has brought you to this service so that you could make peace with god that you could ask jesus christ to forgive your sins and to come into your life and to make you a christian so we want to give you a chance to do that tonight with your head bowed and eyes closed if you don't know for sure and for certain that Jesus Christ is living in your heart, wouldn't it be an awesome thing tonight? Even on a most unusual night, if somebody said, you know what, that was, the, that was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It was in that setting, on that Wednesday night, when God's Spirit spoke to me and convicted me that I needed to get saved. If that's you tonight, pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart Forgive my sins. Make me a Christian. I ask you to save me. I trust you to do it. I trust you, Jesus, with all my heart. Lord, during the next song, give me the courage to come forward to make this decision public. In Jesus' name I pray. And all the people said, amen, amen.